Gracious and loving God, open our eyes to see you, open our ears to hear you, open our lips to praise you, and open our hearts to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Today is VBS Eve. Tomorrow, more than 150 campers and staff will come to the riverbank for a week of fun, learning about how much Jesus loves them. Some of my most memorable moments um, from children's ministry as director came from Vacation Bible School. As I was praying for this week and preparing this message, I kept seeing the face of a little girl and I couldn't figure out why. Then it hit me, kind of like that holy two-by-four. <laughs> About six or seven years ago, I had an encounter with a young camper. I remember exactly where we were, the old river room where the office is located now. I remember sitting around a table with probably ten other children, and we were doing some kind of craft. The little girl who was sitting to my right turned and looked at me and said, Miss Beth, can you teach me how to pray? As a ministry leader, particularly working with children, you live for questions like this. This was an opportunity to connect with a child and share the love of Jesus. A million different emotions and thoughts burst through my mind um, in that split second, ranging from joy to sorrow to self-doubt. How was I going to answer this important question? Lord, please don't let me mess this up. In today's reading, Jesus wasn't worried about messing up when the disciples asked him the same question. Jesus, teach us to pray. He gives them a prayer and a parable, and I'll briefly touch on both this morning. But what I want you to hear today is this. Jesus' response to the disciples is not an explanation of prayer or how it works. His response is not meant to be a list of magic words to recite without understanding. Jesus is teaching us who and how God is. The disciples must have seen Jesus in prayer many times. They knew that his relationship to the Father was something wonderful and amazing, and they knew that prayer was a significant part of that relationship. When Jesus speaks to them, he begins his prayer, Father, not because he wanted people to equate God with their human fathers. God knows, and we know, human parents can sometimes hurt as well as heal. Jesus prayed our Father, realizing that God's identity and purposes exceed our ability to understand or articulate them. But he also knew that we human beings, with our limited knowledge, need to make comparisons between God and what we know. 
Jesus made this a community prayer. That's why we pray it every Sunday in worship, out loud, together. We know this is a community prayer because of the pronouns he uses. They're plural. Give us our daily bread. Give us, save us from being tested. Forgive us our sins. That's not to say we can't pray this prayer on our own, but the intent is that we pray it as the body of Christ. We pray this prayer together as an act of witness. It is, after all, the final prayer we say together before we come to the table for communion. I think we are too often convinced that we are or must be independent and self-sufficient when it comes to our faith. We ask each day for our daily bread. That does not mean we are deficient, but that our sufficiency comes not from ourselves, but from God. It means that God sustains and nourishes our lives. Now let's dive into the parable. To illustrate that God can be trusted to respond to our prayers, Jesus tells us the parable of the persistent neighbor. Hospitality was of huge importance in the biblical world. And when a guest arrived, even unexpected, even at midnight, there was no question that hospitality must be extended. So when the man in the story finds himself without enough bread for his guest, he goes to a friend and asks to borrow some. Even though he must wake up his friend's entire household. It's interesting to note that many biblical scholars agree that the word persistence has been mistranslated in this story. The Greek translation more accurately depicts shame instead of persistence. And given the cultural context, a neighbor asking for help to show hospitality to a guest wouldn't have been the least bit shameful. But refusing to help most certainly would. We might do better to think of this parable instead as the parable of the shameful sleeping neighbor. Asking for help from the village in order to put the best food on the table for a guest would have been expected. And more importantly, it would have been an honor to be asked to help to provide. And when a visitor arrived to, an, to a village, it was an event. So the whole village pulled together to provide the best food they could for the guests. It was a matter of honor, not just for the individual host, but a matter of honor for the entire village. So one can only imagine the shock that the disciples had as Jesus told them the sleeping neighbor refused to help. It's the equivalent of withdrawing from the village and outright reject rejecting one's friends who have provided bread for you during times of your own need. I wonder how many of us would get out of bed, waking up our entire household to answer the door. Any parent can understand the neighbor's reluctance. 
Who knows how long it will take to get the children settled again once they are awakened. However, the social expectations regarding hospitality in biblical times are so strong that concern for sleeping children seems trivial by comparison. In a world where we have ring doorbells and security systems, who wouldn't pull up the feed on your phone and check to see who's at the door? Would we open the door in the middle of the night to a stranger or even a neighbor? Don't bother me, the friend answers from within. The door has already been locked and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. When we hear this, we might empathize with the woken up friend and think that the midnight caller is pushing the limits of friendship. But in the culture of the biblical world, it is the woken up friend who is behaving badly. The ability of his friend to provide hospitality and thus, thus his honor is at stake. Jesus says that the man will eventually respond to the friend's request, not because he is a friend, but because of his shamelessness. His friend displays no shame in asking for help to meet the requirements of this hospitality. The woken-up friend would incur, dis incur dishonor if he failed to help his neighbor with this essential obligation. In our world, a request for daily bread seems almost trivial. Our basic needs include so much more. Electricity transportation, education, medical care, just to name a few. Some of us know what it means to go without a car or to go without good health care. But I would guess that few of us have experienced real hunger. Scripture bears witness to God's will that everyone have enough to eat. Jesus tells us to pray for daily bread and for God's kingdom to come. Yet millions continue to go hungry. So I wonder if there is a deeper message here. Many of our churches work hard to feed the hungry and to help the poor. They give of their own time and treasure to make sure others can eat. They grow gardens like the beautiful garden at St. Mary's downtown, only to give its fresh produce away. Yet as people whose primary ritual is a feast, the Eucharist, we might want to think carefully about how we characterize the hungry. Those who knock on our doors and ask for bread. We must always remember what our Savior says, that whenever we see a hungry person, that person is Christ himself. So if we want to look for God in this parable, we shouldn't look at the neighbor who finally gives up the loaves of bread as a bad approximation of how God answers prayers. Rather, in this parable, God is the one who comes to us at inconvenient times asking for help. 
God comes to us disguised as the hungry and the poor and invites us to be part of God's kingdom of radical hospitality and generosity. I wonder how many of us has asked for help for what we need and felt shamed for it. I wonder how many of us might have shamed others, directly or indirectly, for asking for help. I wonder how many of us have been the sleeping neighbor, and when we hear the cry for help, we bolt our doors and explain we are just too comfortable to get out of our warm beds. And then, I wonder what it would be like to live in a culture like Jesus did, where the shameful behavior wouldn't be the asking for help, but the refusal to help when asked. What would it be like to live in a world where it was an honor, not an inconvenience, for a neighbor to ask you for bread? I think it would be a lot like the kingdom of God. If prayer teaches, as Jesus teaches it, really is all about relationship and presence, then there is only one answer to every prayer. God. I don't just mean God answers our prayers, but that God is the answer. When we speak of daily bread in the context of this passage, we speak of what is essential for life. God is the source of life and everything that sustains life. God gives his whole self as the answer to our every prayer, just like he gave his whole self on the cross. Jesus' death and resurrection made it possible for us to have a relationship with God. So you might wonder how I answered that sweet little girl's question, Miss Beth, can you teach me to pray? I took a deep breath and said, prayer comes from your heart. Prayer is your very own way to talk to God, and he is so happy when you do. As I reflected on this over the years, I realized how greatly I underestimated the power of the Holy Spirit and her ability to see God's will be done, even when we're hesitant or doubtful, even when we're afraid to mess it up. Somehow, something that little girl saw or heard that week cracked the door for her. My responsibility in that moment was not to provide a step-by-step -step method for prayer. Maybe I was called to open the door just a little bit more. Maybe I was called to tell her that as Jesus shows us today, prayer is not so much about the place or the words or the methods. It's about growing into a relationship with God. It's about teaching us who and how God is. Amen. Amen.